listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 58 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Our guest tonight, celebrating 20 years with, starting at the art department, moving up to co-president of Archie Comics, overseeing huge growth in both sales and distribution of the classic line. He's also the co-owner of All Yeah Comics in Harrison, New York, which he co-owns with several other comic book pros, including Art Baltazar and Franco. Currently, he's like the rest of us. Very happy to start the new year off right, and clearly that means spending it with us. Mike Pellerito, welcome back to Cinemental. Thank you guys for having me. I can't wait to do this again. I had a great time the first time, and I hope I don't uh, completely blow it for the second one. <laughs> I would, uh, I would be, I would be very, very shocked if that were the case, because uh, it's it's pretty hard to um, uh, how do you how do you make a train wreck worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, let's let's uh, let's uh, let's suffer from consumption. Hmm. But all right. Anyway, Lathan, what'd you watch? Um, uh, besides the two movies for this week, we watched um, uh, the the Ripper uh, miniseries on Netflix. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So did we. Oh, you did, you all did, or just yeah. you? Well, no, Hassan had seen it already. Yeah, uh, right. I, I forgot. That's what we watched over the Friday and over the weekend. Without oh, without okay. giving anything away, it was just the most annoying thing I've ever watched. But I'll, I'll <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> for, for no, he's for a true crime show. There, there's four episodes, and they didn't need four episodes. No. Well, they had an agenda, and you don't see the agenda till about midway through the third one. And then I started shaking my head with the agenda and then things didn't logically make sense that they were playing. Then I looked stuff up and realized they were leaving important things out. And then when oh. it was all done, I was well, like, that, oh, we'll see all this. Footage. That's a little interesting. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You're leaving, you're leaving the best parts in the typewriter in there. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what, what did I, for, I forgot something. Hazan? You're, you're no, saying, saying that they left stuff out and you're not, you're not elaborating on what was left out. upon it. Oh, I don't want to give it. A, I mean, John, Michael right. hasn't seen it. So Mike, are you going to run out to watch this true crime uh, show? No, it sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just becomes a very instead of just telling you the story of one of the worst serial killers ever, certainly the worst one in England, even more so than Jack the Ripper, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, just by sheer enormity of of scope, um, it it just it comes up with this bad like just non-factual agenda that really becomes one-sided whereas the first part of it is more balanced and i i really i just wasn't buying what they were selling by the end of it and 
uh, I think it betrays it because it, it's really cool seeing the restored footage from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And really, really sharp audio. And, uh, you know, me and Carl watched it together, Steve. So you can imagine what he thought by the middle of episode three. Oh, boy. When it started, when it became an anti-police officer. Um, right, right. A movie or our friend, Car- our friend Carl is a police chief. So, yeah. And he, you know, and he, and he even said, he's like, yeah, it was well done. They just, they, they, it, there's no logic at the end of this. And, uh, you know, it, it, crime miniseries are, it's hard to do them really badly. So even this one was decent. It just wasn't one of my favorites. Yeah. I just, I got, I, I got to the point where you started to question it's, it's sort of uh, it's agenda uh, in my mind, I started to get to the point where I was questioning why you keep dragging this out. Why don't you just, you know, uh, the, the time they were spending on every aspect of this. I feel I felt like if they had done it in three episodes, it would have been fine. I, I felt like they could have chopped or two. They didn't really even need three. Really. Well, I mean, with the volume of bodies, I think three still would have been fine to cover to make sure they covered everything. I just felt like they stretched everything out so much. It was just like, guys, come on, move, just get get to get to the next step, step here, get to the, get to the thing that clips him or whatever. I think the pace was intentional, though. I think they needed it needed it to be slower to maintain its impact, but easily it could have been cut down to three episodes. So yeah, and um, and, and would have been fine. But even the little tight face that they kept putting up for each victim and that right. kind of stuff, I get I get why they're doing that with the pacing. I just yeah. It's, uh, you know, it was, I, I guess it's, it was okay to watch, you know, it's anything about serial killers is, you know, worth, worth a little bit of my time, I guess. Living in America. Yeah. And, uh, besides that, I, we really just went on with our usual, which is repetitive to Hassan and Steve, but every guest we have finds out that I watch a uh, fuller house and think it's a great little sitcom. How are and you not, almost done how are you not now, through so, all those? Uh, you won't yet. be hearing out about it much longer, but. Very, very well written. Uh, we only watch like a couple, two or three a week. But oh, we're on the last season and there's been pregnancies and surrogate mothers and, you know, it's just. I hope you, know, you mean you the do? show. You, know, you got to laugh. And <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh a little bit. Hey. Yeah. Yo, yeah. No, I mean, my surrogate pregnancies are a separate issue that have nothing to do with that's... this podcast. Okay. <laughs> right. On the that's show. A, there's there's a, a, thank goodness. That's a relief. There you go. <laughs> Hassan, I'm sorry, man. I keep forgetting the speech. I was, I, you know, I practice in front of the mirror. I'm just blowing off everything I told myself not to do this week. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, we also watch a couple of ERs. And, um, you know, he likes that show a lot, my daughter, and I like watching it again. That's a lot of fun. And besides that, uh, I finished my movie miniseries, so now I'm going to be able to watch a ton of stuff. And this segment will be much more interesting from my end come next week. Fantastic. Which, by the way, uh, if you do a search on YouTube for Seed of Doubt, you can find. You Would cannot you like find to... it. Uh, it's unlisted, but oh. uh, I will be talking about that probably next week. Okay. So, All right. Well, you can't uh, find it, so don't do a search for it. <laughs> <laughs> if you know uh, Latham on, if you're friends with Latham on Facebook, if you're friends with Latham on Facebook, you can go to his page and there are links to all the episodes and you can watch it there. That is absolutely true. 100% true with Steve just. <laughs> well put, Steve. Well, put. thank you. Hassan, what did you watch this week? 
I watched the Ma- the Masters of the Universe uh, podcast. I mean, podcast uh, documentary. That, oh uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, it? Power of Grayskull. Yeah, I finally, I finally watched. It. I, I discovered that. I'm sorry. Is it about the movie or the sh- what? Which it's about? It's about it's, it's a, everything, ahead, Steve. Yeah, no, it's about everything. Masters of the Universe oh, okay. from the it's beginning of the toy on... from the beginning of the toy line through through today. Through the awful movie they made in the '80s. Well, that's part of it. Okay. Um, I I discovered I had actually already seen all the seasons of uh, the toys that made us. So oh okay, I was up to date with it. So which which disappointed me because I I thought oh. there was more to watch, but I had seen it all. <laughs> and I was like, right, I'll get over it. I got stuck in the rabbit hole. Like I went uh, on a uh, YouTube, the BuzzFeed yep. Unsolved Mysteries Buzz BuzzFeed. Uh, oh, segments. Interesting. Which are, which are pretty terrible. Um, they're not terrible. They're 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 good. They're informative, but they're like little unsolved, you know, like uh, true crime bites. They're not. They're maybe say, how long are they? minutes long. They're sixteen minutes. Okay. 16, okay. 15 minutes long, and it's just these two. You know, these. I don't know if they're they're famous or not, but there's these two kids. They're like millennials, and they're talking about these <laughs> crimes. Thing. And one is a, one is a, the you know one's the the Scully, you know, and the other one's the Molder, you know, like one one is the the, the believer into, and the into all of it, yeah, and the other one's the skeptic. And, um, you know, they, uh, it started out with a lot of, you know, murders and, you know, horrible things that happened, which sadly have become entertainment for, for, you know, weird people like myself these days. And then it, and then it got into sleeping overnight at haunted houses and shit like that, which doesn't interest me at all. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> um, uh, so, but I mean, there's, there, you know, because they're only 15 minutes long, there's quite a bit of them and they, uh, they're on a succession so if you click on one video and right. stop paying attention, it's just going <laughs> to keep playing episode after episode. So by the time you look up, it's like four hours have passed and you've been watching these guys for like, you know, like when you're 20 successions and it's, yeah. it is a rabbit hole. They're, they're good. There's some good stuff, but it's mainly like um, like gateway information where now if you if, if, if it you're really of, interested. Yeah. And then you got to go deeper yeah. on your own and find these find this information out on your own. Uh, I watched all of Game of Thrones season six again. Um, just just, season, just wow. season six. Yeah, well, it's uh, only been a week. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm no, but ten I hours. Be, I know, but you didn't. You didn't. You didn't go back to the beginning. You just pulled I've, season I, six. Yeah, I figured that I've I've decided kind of uh, that season six is my favorite season, though okay. not the best season. It's just my favorite season. All right. So I kind of watched that again. Um, my attitude is I'm not going to let the ending of uh, Game of Thrones, which I'm not going to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to let it. And Steve hasn't seen Game of Thrones, Michael, just just in case. Season uh, eight. So, season eight. Uh, yeah, you haven't seen season eight. So that's why we're not going to. I don't know how you've gotten away from spoilers all this time. But but anyway. Um, well, you see, because what I do, Hassan, and I explained this. Uh, I thought I thought I explained this before is what I do now. So so it, it's like it's like Crystal Skull. You know, I haven't seen Crystal Skull yet. But mm-hmm. now I'm so far past the point, no one ever talks about it, other yes. than in very broad strokes. And I've kind of forgotten about most of the details. So when I finally do watch it, it will feel kind of new. So, and it's, you know, listen, there's just so much other stuff to watch that I don't feel bad about, I mean, listen, I, you know, I still haven't seen an episode of Boardwalk Empire. I've never seen an episode of The Wire. Uh, you know, 
you know my stance on Breaking Bad. I've never seen Sons of Anarchy. I've never watched. Uh, I saw half of the first season of The Shield. You know, I mean, there's just there's a lot of TV out there that I've never I just never sat and gone. I and mean, yeah, it's all sitting there waiting for me. But, you know, I'll get to it sometime. But <laughs> and I figure by the time and the thing is now it's been so long with Game of Thrones that what Deirdre and I will have to go do is actually go back to the beginning and watch it from the beginning and just plow through all eight seasons in one shot. Uh, Maybe your experience would be better than most other people's experience. Although, like, as I said before, I don't really have a problem with the events that happen. Right. I just have a problem with the way they happen. Okay. Um, But anyway, but I, you know, there's, there's a, there's like a growing consensus out there that it's it's season eight ruined the entire show. So, and I just don't agree with that. Yeah. No. So I, you know, there's, there's anyway. um, (laughs) So uh, then I watched the gallery, the the first episode of gallery, which is on uh, 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 Disney plus, which is the, the behind the scenes of season two of the Mandalorian. Um, Oh, okay. And that's about that was that was pretty good. That was about an hour long. I saw an episode of the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, uh, latest episode of The Expanse. I saw maybe two episodes or an av- episode and a half of uh, Bridgerton um, at the behest of uh, a friend of mine, and then I stopped. Why do I? Why do I? Who's in that? It's I don't know. It's a, some some. Uh, it's a British. B, it's a BBC series, right? No, it's uh, Netflix. It is uh, like come a romance. Uh, oh. Uh, series, a bunch of novels done by Shondaland. Uh, Anyway, um, so (laughs) do you get a noose if you buy the box set? So I watched uh, two episodes of that and then I stopped and uh, there's a couple of episodes I I discovered that all six seasons of Highlander are on uh, YouTube. So on I, YouTube? Yeah. Yes, they are. They aren't stre- they aren't streaming anywhere. That seems weird. They are streaming on Amazon, but they're streaming with commercials. They are streaming without commercials on YouTube. Okay. It was really Who plays weird. Him in the TV show. Huh? Adrian Paul. In the TV show. Uh, uh Christopher Lambert's character from the movie. Christopher, uh, Christopher Lambert isn't in the TV show. Right. I know the character. Who, who plays him? His character isn't in the TV show. This isn't a totally different character. Oh, he shouldn't call it Highlander then. Well, he is also a Highlander. He's from the Highlands of Scotland. So the, that's... I think a better title would be Highlanders, but that's just me. Um. <laughs> well, thanks, Lay. <laughs> thanks a lot. I, I, you know, I, I'm just trying to offer my you know free advice here. But mm-hmm. and then I watch Wonder Woman 1984. That's it. That's what I've seen today. I'm gotcha. I'm done. I am done. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, would you like to play along? What'd you watch in the past week? Anything good? Anything bad? I, I caught up the Mandalorian. Okay. Yes. It. It was brilliant. Michael, what do you think? What do you actually think about it? I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Okay. So the Talking to friends that had seen it to find out little pieces of things that I didn't know were there. I love it. And I liked the first season. I thought there were a handful of episodes that were excellent. And I thought a lot of it was very good. I never got bored, but I, you know, I just thought some episodes were better. What do you think was the best one this season, Michael? I can't pick because I feel like this second season 
every episode was as good as the best stuff from the first season. And there were a lot of moments where I just couldn't believe how much fun I was having. And I, and I, I'm not into the lore. I don't know it like super well, like some of my comic book friends do, but, but they gave you enough information where I'm like, Oh, Beskar steel. Like that's like, that's a major, that, there's going to be a lightsaber fight at some point. And they put <laughs> enough breadcrumbs out there where you're like, Oh, this is really cool. And um, the, the ending and everything was amazing. And, and I'm watching it. And in my head, I know what's happening. Like the big reveal. I don't want to like, you know, kick it around. I don't know if anyone saw it, but I'm, as it's happening, I know it's happening. And I keep going, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe they're doing this. And it, it was just really well done. It was really fun. All the new characters that I hadn't seen before I dug um, the, the, the relationship between the, 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 the kid and the, and the Mandalorian, all of it was just really great. And now there's a good supporting characters um, sort of set up for the Mandalorian. Now you have this Boba Fett thing spinning out of it. It just, like, I can't, I'm looking forward to the next stuff. Next stuff. I really can't wait. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. And then I saw Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. Um, okay. I, 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 I just wanted like a fun action movie. Yeah. And, and watched it with someone who hadn't seen it before and they loved it. And then uh, one that I think I mentioned to you, Steve, that you're not a fan of, the, the silly comedies, but Daddy's Home 2, which is a it's a heavy duty Christmas movie, but and I know I saw it when it came out, so I think this was probably the second time I've seen it. I really was laughing out loud to the point where my family was making fun of me because I, I just was stupidly <laughs> laughing. And, and Mel Gibson, who's like a villain in real life, apparently in the movie yeah. he plays um, the whole the whole premise. I don't know if you guys know the premise, um, but Mark Wahlberg uh, and the mother got divorced. Will Ferrell is the new stepdad and he's always like, he's super sweet. And Mark, and Mark Wahlberg is the bad boy biker, all that. And now this one, they bring in Mark Wahlberg's dad, uh, the evil sort of Mel Gibson, super tough guy. And Will Ferrell's dad is John uh, Lithgow. Lithgow, who's like super sweeter than, than, and watching everybody play off of each other. And the parents <laughs> and the kids caught in the middle of this, it had a lot of the elements of the best, like, you know, lampoon Christmas and just like stupid comedy and, and just how they were going out of their way to screw each other. Like the whole thing. And, and I keep, I forgot it was a Christmas movie. It all takes place around Christmas. So it, it, it just, to me, I thought was much funnier than I remembered. And I, I enjoyed watching that, but I missed like a lot of the big Christmas movies. I didn't see it's a wonderful life. I usually, uh, I saw bits and pieces of a Christmas story. So like I saw odds and ends, but those are the big ones that I, I picked up this week that I really dug. Very yeah, nice. We did our we did our Christmas uh, special last week where we each picked our favorite Christmas film and uh, and Latham is aligned with you with uh, yeah. with the It's a Wonderful Life and Hassan had Christmas Vacation and mine was Scrooged. So, so we had two of three good movies basically. It was a pretty <laughs> interesting conversation. <laughs> I, I think they're probably on the Mount Rushmore of uh, Christmas movies. And it's all available up now to listen to. So please, please go and listen. Uh, so, uh, well, all right then. Um, I guess we'd all suffered enough. Uh, so, stepping to the left slightly and going forward into Mike's strange guilty pleasure choice, Thor Ragnarok. Now I know what you're thinking. How did this happen? Ah! 
a long story. So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. Hello, the goddess of death has invaded Asgard. Oh, I've missed this. I need to stop her here and now. To prevent Ragnarok, the end of everything. So I'm putting together a team. Like the old days. Shall we? After you. So what do we do? We're going to stop her. <laughs> Because that's what heroes do. Okay. Good. Great. Great. Thank you. Yes! We know each other. He's a friend from work. I have to get off this planet. From 2017, directed by Taika Waititi, with a running time of 130 minutes, a.k.a. Phase 3, Chapter 5 of the MCU. In his third outing, the MCU's Norse god of thunder finds himself lost after Odin passes and discovers he has an older sister who just happens to be the goddess of death and much stronger than him. After a side trip to a planet that hosts a battle series based on fighting the Hulk, Thor must return to Asgard to rescue what remains of his people before Ragnarok can pass and all is lost. Mike, why did you pick Thor Ragnarok as your guilty pleasure? I had a hard time picking a guilty pleasure, as you know. But What was your the, last the, one, Mike? Last he didn't have one. He did I Jaws on a solo. It was Jaws really? on a solo. And yeah. I, I, I made mention of the... Um, uh the bill murray story about roadhouse right um but again like i think roadhouse is it does exactly what it says out to do and 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 to play off of the uh the lightning bolt and the uh destiny and wonder boy i thought thor ragnarok would fit in well with the (laughs) metal Um, fair enough but it's so like i'm a comic book guy the first couple of thor movies were good not exceptional I didn't need to watch them a million times. And Thor Ragnarok, before this, probably Captain America Winter Soldier was my absolute favorite Marvel movie. But I think I've watched Thor Ragnarok. It's it's amazing. And again, it's another Robert Redford movie. And the perfect guy to play Captain America would have always been Robert Redford. And then he shows (laughs) up in Captain America as sort of an enemy. And um, But Thor Ragnarok rebooted basically the Thor franchise came up with a whole new way to treat all the characters. And to me, it was like the freshest movie they had done in years in terms of tone and color. And you talked about Wonder Woman at the opening of this. I don't know if Wonder Woman 84 has the same look without something like Thor Ragnarok. It, it was bright. It was colorful. The way it played with music, the opening scene with Led Zeppelin. Um, just, it's just brilliant in terms of music and color and, and character. And, and to me, um, I don't think it gets enough respect as rebooting a franchise or just being a wild, crazy movie, just a great ride. Yeah. Coming, like you said, coming out of, uh, out of all the films that have come out of the MCU, there has been no, none of the film series is other than Thor. Uh, especially on the first two films, have had a more sort of lukewarm acceptance. I think, you know, people people generally consider the first Thor film to be pretty good. Yeah. And 
I'd say a good portion of people consider Thor the Dark World to be the low point of the MCU. I don't, I don't, Latham is a perfect example. I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, that being said, if you want to call that, I mean, listen, it's at some point, something has to be the worst of a group of, of subjects. I understand that. I never got that sense out of it, but, you know, and I was never a big Thor guy. But I think coming out of the first two films, and there's four years passed between the second and the third Thor film, which is the longest period of time between any of the films in a series up to this point. And I think there was it was there was either a lot of pressure to succeed for Taika, or maybe there wasn't any because people had the bar set so low for the series that honestly they didn't they weren't expecting much. And and what they got was just an absolute experience as Hassan would, would likely put it. It is, it is beyond anything else that's been done in the MCU. I'd say the closest thing to it are the guardians of the galaxy films in sense of tone. Um, But they're, they're more, they're more comedic all the way through. This is a, this film has an incredibly good balance of just outright funny shit and very serious set pieces that are designed to move the story forward and, and get you going through the, through the puzzle. And you can compare the, and I was was thinking about this this afternoon as I was writing this, because if you start looking and you start comparing of all things, this movie to wonder woman, 1984, which comparatively, I think they both pack as much story into and, and, varying storylines and varying plot lines and everything else but ragnarok does it successfully whereas wonder woman 1984 kind of throws it all in there and 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 through the through the uh, shaking around of a lot of bits managed to align some things and the other ones they just are like oh well and i think that's one of the the, the faults of the dc side of things but that's a different that's a different show um this movie uh, i i'd only seen it once before i'd watched it again all the way through i'd seen bits and pieces obviously i could it's on tv all the time uh but i'd only seen it once all the way through and i i had forgotten how many just out funny laugh out loud moments there are buried in this movie uh, the majority of which which belong to taika himself as yeah. uh as korg uh, in the in the sequence while they're on Sakar, and I mean, listen, there's not you, if you go through that screenplay and you take all of Korg lines, there is probably not one line that he says in that movie that's not either a joke or an underhanded reference to something in the MCU somewhere else or something else that's already gone out of the movie. It's amazing, the whole thing about. The whole thing when he introduces himself about being a rock and you don't have anything to be afraid of unless you're a pair of scissors. I mean, it's just a throwaway line, but it's fucking hysterical. Wait, there's more to that. Because the other guy who was with him... Meek. ...was a scissor. Yes. And they were trying to overthrow the government... Yes. ...by handing out paper pamphlets. But they didn't do enough of. Rock, paper, scissors. The whole... And, and he got beat. Yes, and thus he was beat. And thus he was beaten by paper. By paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. And then at the end, when he thought he thought that he was dead because he stepped on him on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Meek, you're alive. 
uh yeah it's just there's just there's so much there's so much humor buried in this film that's that just plays along Taika Waititi and if you've never seen what we do in the shadows uh you if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen it go out and watch it immediately well then i have to go bye <laughs> you know i mean and he, there's even a reference to it in this movie with korg i mean he even references his own his own work when he says would you like a three-fingered fork well, that's really not good for anything unless you've got three vampires bundled you know huddled together <laughs> yeah it's just uh, th- this movie is you know, Taika Waititi described this movie as a 70s and 80s science fiction fantasy. And he cited Big Trouble in Little China as a major uh, influence, uh, as it being a fun adventure film that has big stakes, but also takes you on a crazy adventure. And, that, and that's actually a- good. Yeah. OK. And and <laughs> and according to Latham is actually good. Uh, I love the little nod to Willy Wonka. I know when he's in the cart and on his way to the tower, to the city, and the little the little pre-recorded messages playing <laughs> as all the colors and shit are flying by him, and they're playing the the in a world of pure imagination. <laughs> it's just fucking fantastic. Yeah, I, I there, there's and the other thing the other thing that I really liked about this movie, uh, and this is more of on a personal note, and Mike it'll, Mike you'll appreciate this as well, and probably Hassan to an extent. There are so many parts of this movie that comes straight out of our friend Walt Simonson's run on the comics and out of his writings of the Thor character. There's so much, there's so much stuff referenced from his, his, you know, this, uh, the scourge character, Carl Urban's character was created by Walter Simonson. Yeah. Uh, a good part of the look that, uh, of Hella's look was, yeah. was really put forth by, by Walt, uh, the way Walt drew her. There's just so many things. There are so many parts of this where there's just like you're I'm looking at it and there are pieces the the sequence when um at the end when Surtur comes up, you know, when 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 Thor tells Loki to go and put the the helmet in the fire and, and bring forth Surtur to to bring forth Ragnarok, you know, that sequence is the whole that's like the first six pages of Walt Simonson's Thor run before. You know, not counting the battle with Hela, but the part where Surtur shows up and just wrecks everything. That's like the, the first four or six pages of Simonson's Thor run and him telling Norse mythology. Yeah, that's just it's, you know, the little nod, the little jokes about, you know, uh, you know, where he's like, oh, it's this one time when I turned you into a frog. You know, the little joke, the little <laughs> nod to, to Simonson's turning Thor into a frog uh, on, on his run. You know, there's there's so much in this. You know, I mean, listen, the character of Malekith from the Dark World, that was a character that Walt created, yeah. you know, for his for, from his run. Um, the Cask of Ancient Winters, which was the big sort of uh, uh, physical element MacGuffin from the first film uh, that we see returned here in, 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 in uh, uh, the, the treasure room uh, mm-hmm. is, a, is a creation that Walt did. There's there's so much there. His fingerprints are all over the three Thor films. And I love it because it's just there's all this kind of fun stuff that I can look at that I that I could sort of like know, you know, it's funny knowing that stuff. When, so when you see it pop up and they generally don't do it too heavily handed. So it's like a fun, you know, they, I guess you call it Easter eggs, but they do it so just sort of nonchalantly. That I just I get a lot of amusement out of it, and that that that's a that's a personal thing for me. But uh, the tempo and the pace of the movie are are it's completely underappreciated because 
you open up with Thor and, and everything that you need to know about the movie is set up within the first five to six minutes. And then from scene to scene to scene, you are just shuttled through the whole movie and it flawlessly goes from beginning to end and everything you needed to have set up was always set up for you. And I thought really clearly too, because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on and all the new characters that you, you, you may or may not know if you sat down before you might've heard of the Hulk, the Hulk is there. Uh, Tessa Thompson shows up as Valkyrie and you know, you think she's going to save him and immediately she's a disaster. And then she's a dangerous disaster. And then she plays this, this ongoing role through the movie where you find out she's not just some sort of, you know, disaster. There's a tragic backstory and it ties into Thor's right. uh, history on Asgard, like all these little pieces and how they slowly built through the movie. And then how you see each character sort of reveal different pieces of, their history, their personalities. I think it's 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 just really fun and clever. And it's one of those movies, if, you're, if you ever want to sit and pick a part, and I would do this from time to time on a movie, just to see how they get from scene to scene to push a story quickly. A lot of times I would forget I'm watching the movie for that purpose because they push from scene to scene so well. And there, there's no downtime in this. You know, I mean, no. even the, the slow scenes are there for a specific reason. They're They're timed out. Well, you but you never get to a point. There's no points in this movie where you're just sitting and you're waiting for the train to arrive. You're just like, oh, we need to make a stop here to refuel, and then we're we're back on the road again. Uh, Hassan, you uh, compared the movie to uh, Wonder Woman 1984 to an extent uh, in in the sense of uh, you know you know doing it right versus doing it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. I think um, I. Th- for me, the, the the genius of this movie is how simple it is. It's a very simple story, um, even though it seems like it's very complicated. Um, Thor comes back from from fighting Surtur, finds out that you know, which was already pre-established in the in the last Thor movie, finds out that Loki is actually posing as a uh, Odin, <laughs> and in in the in that Odin is not there they got to go to earth to look for Odin. They go to earth. They find Odin. Odin's dying. Odin dies. Once he dies, Hela emerges. Very simple. It's not complicated. They don't have to go on a fetch quest. They don't have to find an orb and a jewel of this and that. They just, they, <laughs> they literally just go from one place to the next. And, you know, and, and in, because of the simplicity of the of the of their purpose of their mission purpose you can throw things like uh doctor strange in there and like you know a whole bunch of cute gags with the uh, doctor strange you could throw things in there with um like you said the rock paper scissors and all that other stuff you can you could toss all that all that extraneous stuff in there that that enhances the experience because your baseline is really simplistic they go they you know they the hella arrives hella is you know Hella powerful. Sorry, <laughs> I know you just it. can't help yourself. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Uh, and so <laughs> she 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 knocks them out of the Bifrost, and then they end up on a, what's the, the the planet called? I forget. Sakar. Sakar. They they end up on Sakar. It's simple. It's not. There's there's it's it's like Empire Strikes Back. It's very simple. You know, rebels are on Hoth. The Empire uh, attacks Hoth, and then they run away. That's the whole story of Empire Strikes Back. So it's 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 bone simple in the in there's there's two threads 
Hela goes back to, to Asgard, takes over Asgard, kills off all those other extraneous characters that they never did anything with in the last two movies. And so that, that baggage <laughs> is done. And then so she's, you know, she just takes over, you know, and that's it. And she's done. That her story is over. Like, say about five minutes after she gets there. And the only thing that, that, you know, that picks her story back up again is when the two princes come back to, to kind of challenge her. And then, you know, they end up um, instigating Ragnarok. But it's even on Sakaar there, it's really simple. It's like, okay, you're here. You're not the, nobody cares that you're Thor. You got to go through the motions. You're going to be a gladiator, you know, uh, until you figure out a way to escape. And the entire, that entire scene is them trying to figure out how to get out of there. Now, all this other crap happens, which is great, but you're never distracted from the purpose. Their purpose is to leave. In Wonder Woman, it's like, okay, I got, you know, I'm going to stop these criminals from stealing this thing. And then someone steals a, you know, someone steals a rock and this rock allows these guys to be able to do this other thing. So I got to go over and do this other thing. But wait, my boyfriend's back and I got to hang out with my boyfriend for a little while. And then I don't figure out that I'm supposed to do something about the guy with the rock until something bad happens that I realize that I didn't do my job. And now I got to, and that it's all over the place. It's really there's no through line to it. So when you're when you're sitting like just like Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy, that's real simple. They got this orb. Everybody's trying to get this orb. They get arrested. They break out, and that's how they form their friendship. And then the, you know, and and they figure out what the orb is. They the guy who's not supposed to get his hands on it gets his hands on it, and they got to go stop that guy. It's simple. Nobody, most people who write stories now don't know how to tell simple stories. You know. Taika Waititi is, uh, uh, is unique in his understanding that in the, you know, as, as a, uh, what's his name, Freakin said in that documentary, Steve, that mm-hmm. the best way to do anything is to do it simply, you know? Yep. Most people don't understand it. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to figure out. Um, it's, and, it, and once you figure it out, it's also not an easy thing to do. But it is something that everybody should know because you can't, you can't complicate these things. You can't complicate a story with superheroes in it. You really can't. It's it's already it's already <laughs> absurd, but then again, it's already complicated in and of itself. You know, if you think about Thor and who Thor is and how Thor is fifteen hundred years old and all the stuff that Thor's already done, it's already complicated. You know, like you, there's no re- need need to uh, to layer things on top of it. To the to the to the extent of the other stuff you guys are saying about. Uh, about the movie in and of itself. I think that movie actually put Thor on the map and elevated him to the, to the level of Captain America and Iron Man. Oh, because yeah, Thor was question. Thor is kind of this, like he was there cause he was supposed to be there, you know, right. kind of someone's got to be He's an Thor. Avenger. So yeah, someone, you, you know, you got to get him in there and you should, I mean, the, the other two Thor movies literally should have been the scale of a, of a Lord of the Rings, you know, film because of all the mythology that's in, that could have been done with Thor. They were, they were very small in scope. They were very uh, lackluster and not even, even though uh, what's his name? Uh, who directed the first one? What's his name? Kenneth Branagh. Even though Kenneth Branagh directed one of those movies, they were, uh, they're not ambitious. They're, they weren't, they weren't really ambitious movies by any stretch of the imagination. And the fact that they lacked kind of a scope kind of made them, you know, kind of, made them easy to overlook 
And Ragnarok just took the ball and ran with it. It just like, look, this Thor is already absurd. There's a guy with a hammer, and if he swings a hammer, he can fly. You know, I mean, we're already in La La Land when we when when we just start to consider the character and his dad and 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 uh, you know, like a sword that goes into a hilt that you know opens up a rainbow bridge that everybody. I mean, it's already an acid trip. You know, so let's just go full acid trip on this, which I think that's what the, I think that's what the creators, I think that's Taiko Atiti, you know, in a nutshell, it's like, I'm just, we're going to lean all the way into this instead of trying to get away from it and try, trying to modernize it and trying to, we're just going to, we're going to go for broke on this. And then we're going to fill it with all the, the inside jokes and, and Easter eggs and everything else we could fill it with. And then we're going to throw a, a, you know, Jeff Goldblum in there. For you know, because yeah. <laughs> because I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you? You know, I would. I would yep. literally, even though he is technically selling real estate now, uh, I would buy real estate. <laughs> I would buy a house from Jeff Goldblum just because he told me to buy it. You know, that's that's, <laughs> that's how highly I, I consider Jeff Goldblum and the pantheon of, of of actors that I love. So it man creates dinosaur. Dinosaur yeah. eats man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woman inherits the earth. Woman um, inherits the earth. I've seen this movie <laughs> way too many times. Um, <laughs> I, I I love the movie. Um, I, I I love the dynamic between he and Loki. I think Loki they get Loki correct in this one. I, uh, Loki is one of those hidden gems in the other two movies where he was he's a really good villain, but he's also very sympathetic or whatever. But they keep his they they keep him mischievous in this one, but he's not he's not detrimental to the plot. Like every, every time he, not as yeah. Yeah. Every time he steps out on his own, it's kind of cute instead of like, come on, man, (laughs) you guys are trying to get off this planet. You guys, you know, it's, it's almost like he's, it's a drug. He can't help it. Like he's got, I'm sorry. You know, like every time he gets caught, he's like, I, I'm sorry. You know, I, I kind of had no choice. And then it's the frog and the scorpion. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's who I am (laughs) at the end. He's there. You know, it's kind of yep. like that. That kind of brings it home. Also, that's a that's a completion to the thread, which is a necessary beat for the movie that comes right after that. Oh, um, well, that mid credit scene pretty much, you know, sets the table. So, yeah. But I mean, it's also necessary for them to have uh, reconciliation just before yes. you lose one. And then you you miss out on that emotional beat, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for Thor, for the for the entirety of uh, of Infinity War. If you did, if you don't have this movie to, to kind of. Right. Uh, thread that together and it's it's an amazing job it really is it the problem is i think it's a little too ambitious because there's certain things that in uh infinity war just has to ignore in order to make it work the fact that apparently valkyrie escaped with half of the the, the asgardians without they and they never mention it in infinity war right right you know some some other things that they just kind of have to you know, because this this film's over almost overcorrected, set it up a little too well, and now you the in that <laughs> case the next blockbuster actually has to start o- omitting bits and pieces of it, and you have to put it together on your own. But it doesn't really matter; it's not a deal breaker. It's great choice. I I you know the problem I had with this film is I I thought that uh, Thor was dead the whole time. And that, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> See, Hassan just goes into every film now, assuming that the main character yeah, the dies in the first. Oh, obviously, minute. the guy's dead. Obviously, and, the, and, 
and then when it turns out that he isn't, he's just disappointed. Yeah, it's, oh, this does this just doesn't work anymore. Um, have you have you seen Six Sense? I'm sorry, Michael. What did you say? Have you seen the Sixth Sense? You might like it. You know, the problem I had with that movie is I thought he was alive, and then when he really you know, I find out he's dead. I'm like, yes, like, this, this movie doesn't work anymore. Um, but no, uh, Thor Ragnarok, fantastic. Thank you very much because I got to, I got an excuse. I don't need an excuse, but I right. but I used the excuse to watch it again, and I was very, I was very happy too. So, oh, awesome, fantastic film. Yeah, uh, another comic book writer, this guy Mark Wade, I worked with for a while. Um, oh. we, he was talking about plot, and he goes, "No one ever talks about plot. Like, you know, that was the moment that you got hooked on a movie or a show or a story. You need, you only really notice plot if it's broken." The stuff you love is all the characterizations. The moment with Jeff Goldblum sparkles and he teases him like this. None of the story stuff you talk about with your friends, you talk about what made you laugh. Or, Can you believe the song they used or when the lightning came down or uh, Hulk beat up the uh, uh, the giant wolf? And then, uh, you know, Tessa Thompson was jumping between flying airplanes and blowing everything up with just her little like sword. Like that's what you talk about those crazy little moments and and that yeah. that movie like you said here's the here's the here's the A to B plot we're gonna keep it real simple we're gonna add a ton of cool stuff and then we're gonna layer it with the craziest characters ever and it did it really well yeah yeah and I think I don't think if you if if you didn't have that foundation if he if Taika Waititi didn't realize I don't know who realized it whoever 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 fleshed it all out they didn't realize look I don't know who thought of it first. Either they thought we got to fill this because this is our last hurrah for Thor. So we got to fill this with every, every, with, with the kitchen sink. And so the person, you know, the person charged with actually making it happen realized in order to do that, I got to keep everything simple. Or if they thought of it the opposite, that we're going to do a really simple, straightforward story. And because of that, the, the creative minds were like, well, if it's really this bone simple, we could throw anything we want in this. I don't know who came up with it, but either one doesn't work without the other, you know? And it's, there's no better example than this movie for how, because I mean, Thor Dark World was so up its own ass. It was so, you know, it was, it, it just, just did not work. And I remember that it was torture because I watched that, on on my birthday it came out on my birthday and i remember yeah. going as i was like this is this is a this is a punishment this is not a party i'm being punished right now um because it just it had everything in it. it had dark elves and as guardians and hammers and like uh you know magical uh you know uh, uh tesseract energies and all this crazy stuff and it just didn't land you know like in my opinion so much of it just didn't go anywhere and all of it all that the entire character was wasted but you think of the departure the third one was from the other two and then you think of the departure it was really from most of the other marvel movies at that point like like steve mentioned there was guardians which kind of had a little bit of that vibe and color and energy and the music but thor went i feel like and just cranked it up to 11 yeah and for, for the people at the executive level to go let's completely go in a different direction whoever came up with the idea first or the idea you know it's really insane that it got made because it is so different from everything else they were doing and now i feel like that flavor has gotten into everything else in a good way in a very good way i think it was able i think they were able to make it because it was a hail mary 
I think if this was like one of their leading uh, franchises, I, I don't think anybody would have allowed them to take the right. chances that they took with it. I think because look, Thor hasn't gotten off the ground the way we wanted it to. Um, you know, we got to do something with this. We got to do what we can to save it. Uh, yeah. Let's let's you know, let's grab the craziest guy and you know, let's write the craziest script and see what can happen. And you know, so sometimes really good things happen. Ironically, when when Walter Simonson took over the Thor book, the book was in kind of the same stage where there was nothing really amazing going on in the comic. And he came in and then did one of the most historic runs in comic book history that you're seeing movies pull out of like crazy. So creatively, the more free reign you give people. And as long as they follow the rules of what works with the characters, where you where you approach it, Ben, don't break, which is something I've heard a million times. Uh, beaten into my head at work, bend, don't break. And you can really bend characters in all sorts of ways if you're really clever and you stick to the A and B of the plot, get them where they have to make sure everybody's true to who they are. And if you want to add a little crazy to it, add some crazy to it, it'll work. And, 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 and Walter did it with his run on the comic. And then you see how so much of it translated to the to movie and then having that same energy where bend, don't break. It really paid off in this movie. Because a lot, a lot of a lot of them break, you know, yes. they'll break it in order to try to bend it, you know, like yeah. say like that's DC. I don't want to start anything, but like uh, like the Rise of Skywalker kind of just broke the whole franchise in order to try to stretch it, you know, because it just it, it it ends up doing a number of things that just don't work mythologically with the rest of the you know the other eight movies, you know. And so they they broke it in trying to kind of bend it, and it's it like I said, it's not easy. It's not easy, but you do have to have that principle of like you can't break this. You know, you could you could stretch it, but you do yeah. not break the the universe. Don't break the mythology, because mm. everybody will abandon you after that. Lay them. Well, you know, sometimes you go last, and there's not much left to say. So <laughs> that's where I'm at here. I mean. Uh, the way I characterize this movie is if you only get to watch one Marvel movie ever, this is the one you should watch because you don't need to watch any other Marvel movie. It's fun on its own. Everything about it is colorful. It's like going into a candy store and having an unlimited card to check out with. I mean, every actor they have in this is charismatic in their own way. Uh, No one is uninteresting. Uh, it's a long movie, but it flies. It's never slow. There's so many you know, special effects in this movie, but none of them feel cheap or unnecessary. So you never feel like they're just throwing it at you to get you or to say, oh, this, that's a cool effect. I mean, everything has purpose. It's one of my, probably, probably my top three of the Marvel Universe movies. And Have, uh, you, see, have you seen them all? Yeah, I've seen them all. Okay. And... Uh, I mean, I think it's better than all any of the Avenger movies. I think it's, you know, it's just accessible to anyone. It's just fun. And it is, it's well written. Every joke lands or comes close to landing by way of the characters. And that's, you know, a lot of these movies, they, well, Marvel movies, they tend to do that a lot. But for big budget special effects movies, that's not always the case. And <clears throat> a lot of the jokes on here are minimalistic and... I, that's always my favorite. I just, you know, I, I think it's a lot of fun and I, I had only seen it twice before 
and watching it again was uh, was a pleasure. And it never, you know, the movie never like peters out. It's an, it just gets its engine going, and you know, it's pop culture moments with like the Led Zeppelin song bookending the movie. That's great. Twice, twice. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> Uh, there, yeah. there was an interview where but sorry to cut you off no no he had to um he played led zeppelin in like an executive room or something and he said a lot of the execs were really young and didn't know oh. who they were <laughs> and he had it like greta van fleet yeah right <laughs> yeah. And he had it like he really had a like twisted arm to get the move the move, music in the movie that's yeah it's it's great yeah. that he fought for that especially for us who know who led zeppelin yeah. is and and know that that song. Well, I yeah, I got friends my age uh, who didn't who didn't understand what the relevance of the immigrant song oh, was to yeah. to Thor. It's like, why are we even playing this? <laughs> yeah, just, why are you playing this... the immigrant song? That doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, and it's like, oh my They've god! Obviously, <laughs> never been to a Minnesota Vikings football game either. <laughs> they play that song or, loud at their... or bothered to listen to the lyrics. Yes, yeah, well, yeah, just... the lyrics, but it's just. You know, it's just perfect. It's just absolutely perfect, and you know, it, it's just a great movie. There, you know, it, there, there is some silliness to it, and you know, I'm trying to think of some way to bag on it. It's difficult. Uh, there's, you know, uh, maybe some stuff is overdone. There's too much fighting on that bridge at the end, or or whatnot. Uh, but you know, it, it, this is a movie you can recommend to anyone, and they're gonna. I don't see how they can't enjoy it, even if you're not a fan of big special effects films. I mean, all the characters in this movie are fun. I mean, uh, what's her name is, you know, every time she's on screen, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, Kate Blanchett or Tessa Thompson? Tessa Thompson. I think Tessa Thompson's just awesome in this movie. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know we have not. Kate Blanchett. Oh, the princes are dead. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably the best villain in a Marvel movie. She really is great. One of the yeah, for Kate, she's, Kate she's phenomenal. Yeah, she and, and and we didn't even mention Idris as Hemdel. I mean, like he he held the whole he had he had to hold Asgard together while the whole thing is falling apart, and it's just I don't know, man. Everybody played such a great role. Yeah, I. I Kate Blanchett. I remember when they announced that she was going to be playing Hela, and I was, I was, I was like, "Oh, that's cool," you know. And then, and then when I finally saw the first images of her in her outfit, in her makeup, and I was just like, "I didn't even recognize her." I was like, "Dude, when she showed up as Hela, I'm like, hello, <laughs> hello, Hela." <laughs> well, was, everybody talks about how those Kirby designs, those Jack Kirby designs, won't play in the. And, oh right. And she, the first thing you see is her put her hands over her head and pull out the horns and everything. And it's like, yeah, man, that's the design. That's how you do it in a movie. And, 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 and Simonson modernized it and perfected so many of those Kirby designs that were already yep. perfect to begin with. And visually to bring all that stuff, which isn't easy to do in a movie. No. Cause you can do whatever you want on a comic book page and, and you can make it work. It is not easy to do in a movie and make it look realistic. And they did it so well. And she yeah. pulled off. You knew she you knew she wore that helmet a million times into battle. Like it was just there's a comfort level and it's all makeup and, and uh, CGI. And it was just she handled it perfectly. Just intimidating. Really well done. Well, story wise, what's the very first thing she does? She just catches his hammer. Yep. That's yeah. over. Jack- it's over now. You know, like it's like Molinar is is 
is basically the immovable force, right? In in all the all the mythology of Thor and all the movies. And the fact that she just catches it mid midair, mid flight, and crushes it. And you're like, uh oh. When does he yeah. get it back? <laughs> the, whole, the whole beginning of he the movie he, sets up he, Thor's hammer. Yes. He never gets yeah. it back? Yeah, he does, because what's his name has it in uh he steals it back from himself in right. Endgame. Okay, through, right. Through oh, right. Time portal. That's but he doesn't really technically get it back because um, they give it right. back to him. They have to give yeah. it back to him to get it. Because he has Stormbreaker forged to uh, to kill Thanos. But yeah. yeah, okay. I don't really care anyway. But yeah, okay, that's good. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> I was. It's I- funny. The other the other actress considered for Hela was uh, uh, Charlize Theron. Yeah, she could have been good too. Oh, she she's done it. She's a great villain. If you haven't seen Fate of the Furious, she's she's a good villain. The, the, what, what's the, the one she's on in the uh, Netflix movie? I didn't see that yet. The Old Gods or something? Is that? Oh, the old, the Old Guard. Guard. Old Guard. Is that good? No, I got to see that. Hassan, Hassan just goes no. no, no. <laughs> oh no, really? Oh, it's yeah. comic book based, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah it's it, well, I th- I don't think it's a comic book. I think it's a I think it's supposed to be like a comic book, but it wasn't actually a comic book. Oh, I thought it was one of those. Okay. I, I don't was, know. I thought, a, I thought it was a Greg Rucka book. It might might be. I don't I know. For certain. Yeah, I'm blanking. I just, but I, remember- I just know for a fact it's not good. Uh, it's not it was it, it was funny. Not until um, I'm sorry, Latham, were you finished? Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, you guys summarized it well. We all think this is a great movie and. Uh, it's barely. A, I mean, it, the fact I, the fact that you made it a guilty pleasure, Michael, is fine. But it's. I think it's great. I mean, it's <laughs> sneak sneak a good movie in any way you can, and our our podcast allows it. So, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this ranked. This movie's ranked higher on uh, <clears throat> on both sides than on Rotten Tomatoes than the Natural is. So, I mean, you know, wow. I mean, this has got a this has a ninety three rating with the critics. Uh, wow. And 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 surprisingly, in '87 with audience, which I'm I'm a little surprised to see, but um, just wish he was dead. I mean, it would have made a lot more sense. If he had only been dead. Um, <laughs> Comic book movies are, uh, I guess, my guilty pleasure. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so the one the one fun thing about this movie is that uh, we did get an almost an almost defenders. With, uh, with with the Hulk, Valkyrie, and Doctor Strange appearing in one film oh, yeah. that gives us three quarters or three fifths of the Defenders, depending on what part of the what part of the history you're in. Um, I was always one of my favorite books. I was I was I was less an Avengers fan than I was a Defenders fan. I know this means nothing to Latham, but um, <laughs> and then also the fact that uh, Marvel is owned by Disney uh, and that Hela is the daughter of the King makes her. <laughs> A Disney princess, a Disney princess. <laughs> who is uh, also a villain. <laughs> the only, the only <laughs> Disney princess who is also a villain. <laughs> uh, well, you know. Uh, all right, and your... yeah, and this is the second film in which Matt Damon plays Loki. What's the first? Dogma. Okay, that's a great <laughs> trivia question. Right, write that one down for your trivia when they, if you ever go back to playing it. I'm writing it down on my hand so I can put it under my pillow tonight. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. You can dream about it. What'd you have to say? What were you gonna say, Mike? Would you like to hear a funny Walter Simonson story? I would love to. Yes, so yeah, Walter, who, who wrote and drew almost all the, the his run on Thor, 
and his wife Louise, um, like their comic book is, is is filled with really nice people. They are the nicest people in comics, and they're incre- incredibly skillful and talented. It's everything they've worked on is sort of like the greatest hits of comic book characters, just brilliant stuff. When I was growing up, there were three of us who read comics, and we had a very organized system. Um, one guy was like heavily independent, so he'd pick up Turtles or whatever else. Another guy was 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 Marvel, and then I would be DC, and we would constantly trade books. If you oh. wanted to buy it, you'd buy it and keep it. But we we had a system where we kind of read everything between the three of us. Um, and I, you know, I, I read a little Marvel, a little real DC. I had one friend when we were growing up, he was screaming at me to read Thor. You got to read Thor. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh my God. You, how are you not reading this? You would love this. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I've tried reading Thor before. I never got it. And he goes, you don't get it, man. Right now he turned Thor into a frog. And I was like, I'm not reading that, man. I'm not reading Thor as a frog. You, you lost me, man. And for years we'd argue about this and I never read it. Flash forward years later, um, we're doing this book with another company and the guy is scanning some of the, the material we have. And he goes, Hey, do you mind if I bring a friend to the office? We're at the Archie office. And I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, it's Walter Simonson. I was like, wow, that's cool. I never met him. You know, mind if I say hello and a couple of people in the office, I'm sure I'd love to meet him. We do. And he talks and he's terrific. And every time I've ever met him since he's been unbelievably terrific. Now the guys I grew up with, I'm still friends with. So Walter's talking to a bunch of people in the office and he's being really great. And the staff's having a great time. It's super awesome. I take a picture and I send it to my friend who used to scream at me to read Thor. And I was like, you see the guy in the beard? He goes, yeah. I was like, that's Walter Simonson. All I get back is F you. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you wouldn't read the frog story. Tell him, tell him, tell him him you wouldn't read it. Tell him to admit it, admit the truth. (laughs) And then I tell one of the guys in the office and he laughs and he goes, he goes, you've read it. I go, I don't think I've ever read that one, but I've read a ton of them since and they're brilliant. So he goes, look, let's go buy the Walter Simonson Thor omnibus, split it 50-50, and you can keep it, but I want to read it first. So we did that, and then I finally read the whole thing years later. And my friend to this day is like, the guy you wouldn't read, you're now friendly with. Life is not fair. <laughs> you're now friendly with. <laughs> so. uh, funny side bit to your story, uh, if you own a Thor omnibus, uh, I scanned all those pages in for Marvel. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Nine, about 900 of the, of the 1100 pages I scanned in Marvel paid me to scan them in and clean them up the scans so that, uh, so that Olaf could recolor them. Oh, very cool. And now I got to get you to sign it. I mentioned I'm uh, depending on what uh, printing you have. I mentioned uh, right in the front on the special thanks on the title page. That's awesome. Yeah. Very nice. Well done. So that's Thor Ragnarok. Sounds good. Uh, I'm gonna go get some dinner if you don't mind. You go. You go grab some McRibs before they go out of uh... something in my fridge because we're done. So right. Oh shoot! You know something? <laughs> One more thing we got to do. Oh, we're not done. Down the tubes. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. <laughs> on the other hand, <laughs> rabbit hole. Thor Ragnarok. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 well, I 
curated a lot of this down. I could have probably picked, there's probably 150 Thor Ragnarok poster images uh, that I found without even, without even trying. Uh, I'll tell you this, just between, there is 29 official posters released. Wow. Because they did two full series of character posters of which there's eight or 10 each. And then there was a bunch of film, you know, posters like this, which are the standard Marvel key art kind of posters. So, so this was the, this was the teaser that came out during the summer. Yeah, it's good. And then the next one is our, is our main, our main USA release poster, which is. It's nuts. By the way, they did finally find a way to make Thor's helmet in a movie work in Ragnarok. Yeah, slightly. Yes. And but man, two and three of these USA posters are amazing. One is good, but two and three is great. Uh, you can't jump ahead. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. I mean, well, the other thing is, well, well, the other thing is, is so if you through the through the evolution of the Marvel, the MCU movie poster has has really come under fire in the poster world because they've basically gone to this this model, and it's a spe- it came to a it came to a peak really with uh, it came pardon the pun it came to a head with the um, Infinity War and Endgame posters, which are these 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 collections of floating heads, which they tend to do mm-hmm. with their with their with their key art posters, and it's really kind of annoying. This one, however, they actually took the time to actually make it a little bit add a few more designy elements involving the characters and the way they stack them into this triangle based around a series of circles, which is a really smart way to go about this. You know, they got everybody here who they need to have here. Um, This is a really, I think this is a really good looking poster out of all the Marvel movie posters. This is one of the best. Gorgeous. Where is uh, Carl Urban? He's not on here. He is one of the only main character. that doesn't appear on the poster. They needed to put him in there and not put the Hulk in twice. Right. I'm just saying, you know, it's that would be cool. he was like jumping at the bottom with the rifles, with the with, with the with the machine guns. Who's in the middle in Thor's? Uh... That's the Grandmaster. That's oh, right. uh, Goldblum. Okay, yeah, I mean, you got him on the top listed as one of the actors in this, and yeah, then you short shift him on the poster. I mean, it's a great <laughs> poster, but I'd be pissed if I were Carl Urban. Mm. And so then the next one, USB, uh, this one was also used. There's a variation of this that was used as the uh, as one of the international images, but uh, where they switched out the look of Hela with uh, with her with the hair instead of her with the headdress. Hmm. Strange choice, but uh, it was Germany or Italy, I think. But uh, for whatever reason. Well, again, urbanless poster. No big deal. No. <laughs> <laughs> Another urban list poster. Well, there he is under the index finger of Thor, uh, m- uh, melded with the red pants he's wearing. Or the fuck. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, you got to go back to your mirror conversation. Back to wow. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. What's happening, okay. dude? What's all, happening? All right. So, going on. <laughs> to... look at someone named Ammo and what he created. Whoa, dude, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's the, that is the most disingenuous, pretty cool oh, it I've is. ever. <laughs> I'm being serious. Okay, all right, all right. It's hard to tell with you sometimes. I mean, most this of the time you you write you pre, pretty much write off all the fucking posters. Well, I, I I like less than the average 
uh, podcasts or on the show that that is true. Yes, uh, that is but, uh, very true. I mean, uh, so uh, next is uh, next is uh, an image for China. This was the 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 other. Oh, I got that. I got that ammo piece out of order. My my mistake. Oh, but uh, so this is the China poster, which is another key art image with uh, a very large looming Hella. And again, no Carl Urban. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's way back in the city, but can you see him? No. So if you're <laughs> Carl Urban, you're like, fuck this guy. You know, he didn't put me on his poster either. No, no poster work for Carl Urban, I'm afraid. So uh, now, so back to the artist posters. We're in Craig, with Craig Drake, who uh, whose work very much aligns with uh, Patrick Nagel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. He's done. He has done a ton of of pop culture stuff, and <clears throat> it is I I absolutely absolutely love his work. He's done a lot of work for uh, Hero Complex. Uh, yeah, it's good. And uh, there's actually a matching piece that goes with this, with a with a Tessa Thompson Valkyrie facing the opposite direction, and, uh, that I did not pull down. Uh, next is a, a piece by Dakota Randall. Um, you went to all this work, and who do you leave out of your poster? <laughs> not not Carl Urban. He's right there. Where is he? All the way to the right, underneath Jeff Goldblum, and next to Korg. All the way in the right. That dark spot under the Grandmaster. Really? That's Carl Urban. Oh, yeah. All right. This is my favorite poster now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big, big Scourge fan, are you? Yeah, he's, he's, I thought he was underappreciated in the film. Okay. He did uh, have his heroic moment. So next is a piece by Hitesh Sharma. That's cool. Yeah, that's a great one. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, Wow. Awesome. I love when you play up that color of the movie. It's really neat. Yeah. He's just like, well, movie's full of ra- filled with rainbow colors, and my poster is going to basically be the same thing. Exactly and it works. Right. And, and it works. I mean, you could do this with any other film, and you would just be like, what the fuck is this guy on? <laughs> but yet, this one, it works perfectly for. You probably do it to Wizard of Oz then. Willy Wonka. Yep, that too. Uh, ne- next is a piece by Kevin Wilson. It kind of reminds me of like a like a an RL Stein movie poster or like a Goosebumps yeah, kind of thing. Heck? It's like an like a descendant like from Disney Channel for, uh, for this hammer. Like uh, if you want to buy this hammer, uh, you get these four superheroes with it. Would you like to buy? It? <laughs> a weird choice of her, like breaking the fourth wall. There, that's just strange. Uh, it's just, it's just weird. Next is Luke Priest. Mm. Smashing the hammer. Smashing a hammer. That's all right. Fill in the blanks. Uh, next piece by Marco Manov. Cool style. I like that we get uh, we get Fenris. Yeah. Who's that? The dog or the wolf? Or the wolf. Yeah. All right. What's his name? Fenris. 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 The dog, the dog gets a lot more attention on the posters than, uh, you know, Urban. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a joke. You know, why not have Urban peeking around her robe right there? <laughs> uh, I mean, that would look a lot better, I think. I mean, the dog has top billing as sidekick over Urban. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Who voices the dog is what I want to know. 
Carl Urban. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, did you guys know? Did you guys see who the who's the voice of Surter? Who's Surter? Oh, uh, Surter Clancy was the, Brown. Clancy Brown. Surter was the, the big. Uh, yeah. He was the big flame guy, Latham. The 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 meanest. Oh. Uh, what is it? The meanest screw at uh, Shawshank. That's yeah. right. It's a crown. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a Are you crown. sure that's not your head? I thought that was your head. It's a look, crown. It's your head. <laughs> This makes me just next one just makes me want to start going. <laughs> exactly the effect. <laughs> they really timed the music so well. This move, this really got, those lightning. Oh man, blasts were great. So, you know played. what you know what that moment is. That's a, a you know like a bona fide comic book moment. You know. Of, oh yeah. You know that's not even an action movie moment. That is just that is strictly comic book. You know, even the angle that they use to have him. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, you know, they you pull it off too. Yeah, it's a cartoon moment with um with with nineteen eighties rock music on top of it. You know, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. What's well, funny is the The God of Hammers. <laughs> yeah, what do you got? The God yeah, of Hammers. That was a great line. Great line. And our next poster is a actually a gif uh by Matt Taylor showing two different variants of his poster. The red and black was the standard version, and then he did a black light variant. I love it. I love the black light variant, though. Give me that. Yeah. It's fun. No, it's fun for everyone but Carl Urban. <laughs> I forgot he's even in the movie. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dead, you know. Uh, until, he is dead. Until he they realized not, that he wasn't he, dead. And, and, and he did not make he hit those machine guns, by the way. <laughs> That was a little bit of a stretch, okay? Where those in, he got him in Texas. Texas. Well, yeah, he he can <laughs> use the uh, the rainbow bridge to do whatever he wants. Yeah. That's right. Well, he got it just in. it wasn't explained, and it just he also like, had a he had a Vespa scooter there too. All right. Well, that's more believable on than two M sixteens. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just Troy. picked Vespa scooter Troy. from from, from, from Texas. <laughs> wow. Uh next is a uh a very designy piece by Monsieur Gordon. Monsieur. Monsieur. Very cool. Yeah, it looks like a book, book cover. It does look a little bit like a book cover. Uh, with, uh, but an anthology with a lot of writers. <laughs> yeah, like a short story anthology. It's funny know. when the uh the original script they had for this film, uh, Anthony Hopkins wasn't interested in coming back to play Odin a third time. So he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming back. And uh, so Taika completely rewrote Odin's role in the movie and represented it to him, at which point Anthony agreed to come back and do his part. Uh, I would love to know what that other version was, what they originally yeah. were going to do with him that he didn't want any part of. So they probably uh, weren't going to kill him off. <laughs> they usually, uh, entice, maybe they usually entice people to come back when they give him a good death scene, when, when they can die, <laughs> yeah. right? when you can, we can, when you can turn into a cloud of gold dust. <laughs> uh, so next is Neil Davies. This guy gets it, man. And you know why, <laughs> you know why this guy, gets it. he left Dr. Strange off this poster and put on Carl Urban. Good job, Neil Davies. And a, a nice big surter at the top. <laughs> oh, you know, in a, in a different time, 
Jeff Goldblum would be Doctor Strange. Oh, I yeah. think so too. Yeah, it's a great point. How, I couldn't believe how old is he? Like seventy-two? Oh my god! I is mean, still, really? Wow! I think he he's is. Yeah, great. he looks great still. He's in great shape. It's unbelievable. Yep. Uh, so next was a uh, a poster by Tracy Ching, and this is po- this is actually printed uh, uh, lithograph printed onto uh, uh, foil paper that's um, got that that metallic flake. So sparkly looking. And, yeah, uh, exactly. That's the that's the paper that they printed it on, uh, and this was actually used as it's got the mar the official Marvel stamp there in the corner. This was actually used as a handout at some screenings at some midnight screenings of the, of the film. Jeff Goldblum is 68. My bad. Sorry to take those four, given those four years. Well, even still. Yeah. Yeah. It's still good. Just, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, there were, there was, there was easily, I could have, I could have done as many posters as we've ever done on a show. Like we did 30, 40, 50 images. And uh, I just kind of cherry picked a handful. Cause I didn't think we needed to spend an hour doing posters for this. You know, to go back to one that was you brought up earlier, the yeah. ammo. Yeah. It, I didn't notice it right away, but the shape, the center shape is Thor spelt out. Where are we at? If you go to ammo. Oh, ammo. So it's the, the illustrated one where you have yep. the back door, but that shape that they're centered in is Thor spelt out. Oh. You could see it on the top with the T oh, yes. and the bottom on the R clearly, but you can kind of make out the yep. H. Uh, Absolutely. No. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I don't know if it's a hundred percent successful, but I thought it was clever. Good attempt. Yeah. You know what? I think if they had made those indents a little more obvious, it would have been a little stronger, but uh, I mean, it's that the, the indents are really small. Yeah. But yeah, that's cool. Though. I didn't notice that. Points on the attempt. I dig it. Absolutely. So, uh, and we have. I'm pretty we, thirsty, Stevie. Yeah, I'm kidding. You, you, I, I, I was just <laughs> trying to make Hassan think I was starting a new shtick, but I wasn't. I was. <laughs> well, we've done this shtick before, so may I offer you a martini? <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we. Wake up, Hassan! So I don't I don't know what all of the I don't know what all of the pricing tiers are on Netflix nowadays. I know there's at least two. Uh, I don't know exactly what they are, but I just doing a rounded a rounded number of ten dollars per month at their last reported subscriber level. Netflix is pulling in twenty three billion dollars a year just from just from subscriptions but how many yeah it's 195 million households times ten dollars a month times 12 months they just raised their their prices too starting in january that's right My streaming goes up a buck so yep so did mine yeah so but i mean but that's just it you raise it you raise it like a dollar you're like oh okay I'll, I'll, that's a dollar i understand but you know that's you know, that's an extra 92 million. <laughs> it's an extra two point three billion dollars. Wow. Over the course of a year. Wow. Nuts. Right. Raising our thing a dollar. 
I mean, I mean that's ninety three million a month. That's what definition in nickel and diming. So, yep. I mean, and you look at AT and T, and AT and T has over a hundred billion dollars of debt. Wow, so really? when okay. when you have a movie like whatever come out, everybody who worked on the movie got paid. Right. If to, to for AT and T sitting on a pile of debt to say, well, we're going to wait two years to release a movie. I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Also, you know that you know for a fact yeah. that if they're making that much money, they're making like twenty three billion dollars a month a year or whatever on money. They're not gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna try to find a way to make the maximum amount of money while spending the least amount. So that we're talking about no longer, you know, like the streaming companies uh, deciding that it's no longer feasible to spend the kind of money that high price uh, movie studios are spending to make their blockbuster movies, especially, and the cause of it or the, or the, 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 the theory that they're going to use to justify that is going to be like, well, they're not mainstream movies anymore. We don't have a movie industry. We're not going to, we don't need to attract these people to the, to the theater. So we don't have to be competitive on X level on that level. So, cause everybody's just going to sit at home and watch anything we give them anyway. Now I know they're not going to all make that decision and they're not going to all skip out on the, on the art, uh, but a lot of them are, you know? And so we're talking about quality of people um, diminishing also because a lot of people who get paid high price salaries aren't going to be getting paid that money anymore. So they're either going to find new new things to do or they're going to get moved out from cheaper people who are going to, you know, who who require a lot less to do a lot more. And so there's going to be, you know, there's going to be changes on that level across the board. You know, all these companies make billions and billions of dollars. The problem is they hoard that money. They don't they don't reinvest that money, which is why, you know, look at the oil industry. Look at all these other, you know, these, these circumstances where, you know, they're they're parasitic. So I'd be worried about that. I, I, it's good that Netflix makes that kind of money, but I guarantee they're not sinking that kind of money back into the content. That's, that's the problem. No way. Yeah. No. I mean, what are the, think of what they feature a lot of, uh, it's usually documentaries, which are categorically cheap to make crime out the wild or, (laughs) you know, or, low budget films that have an interesting sci-fi or horror movie angle to them. When they get something specific to Netflix, that's got to be their own deal. Like let's say the George Clooney movie. I mean, well, they're making it They're That's not them getting it. They're making it. So they're the studio. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, it's like Roma or the Irishman. Those are made. Those are made by Netflix. Right. Okay. So somehow their costs are down there. I don't know how, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how this paradigm continues on forever, but I mean, in the face of what's going on right now in the world, you know, who knows when this is going to end. Okay. So, so Netflix spent $17 billion on content for 2020. And how much money did Netflix make? I don't know if they're even profitable. 40, 42 billion. Wow. Do they have any debt? 42 billion. Are they Did you not hear the numbers that I just said earlier? No, no, I didn't I didn't realize that was for just that's just for A this year. last year or that's how much they make every year. 
that's what they make okay. every year. I mean, well, that's based on the 195 million subscribers. Yeah, yeah I guess the math. Well, okay, but they don't have any other revenue generated any other way, right? Well, I mean, this is just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's $23 billion. Yeah, that, that, okay, see, that's. So $23 billion, and they're spending 17 have okay, you seen content. a Netflix then movie would... that's the equivalent of uh, like in a Netflix original movie that's the equivalent of some say something like Thor Ragnarok? No, nothing. Um, no, no but I don't. I don't know that they've gone that direction really. In what way, though? In terms of uh, no, in terms in terms of quality of well, you know you quality of craftsmanship and uh, you know talent at the higher and that kind of oh i mean the quality of their filmmaking i believe is is on par with any other studio film i mean i think uh, at times there's a lot of shit movies buried on netflix that they made that are just garbage that were produced by netflix <laughs> that are way down on the sci-fi or the horror yeah. if you search a little bit above shark yeah, but are, are you sure that are you sure that they got them or they bought them well okay i don't know that but i there's a big n in the corner signifying well, it's a netflix movie I don't it, that signifies it's a netflix exclusive okay well all right man. I, all I, right. I just i just don't then they i think nothing. it's the same with this um you know with the attitude that came a couple of years ago with the with the conventional wisdom of making a 13 13 episode season for most shows and the thought behind that was well we'll be getting more bang for our buck because okay we'll be getting less content per per season but will be getting less filler and it will be more direct story. So all these, uh, all these shows will be more and more like a 13 hour movie as opposed to uh 26 or 22 you, you hour, do, sorry, you know, uh network television. You, you do or you do or don't. Like I that. didn't like that because I know that we were, we were going to get okay. getting less and it was going to take them longer to give us less. And we're going to have to pay more for it. We used to get 22 episodes per show for free on television now we pay various streaming services to give us eight episodes of a show that may or may not be annual sometimes we'll have to wait two three four years for a season two of whatever whereas their production cycle used to be that they could give us 22 episodes per year okay now there's a level of quality Mm -hmm. on those on those 22 episodes that it's pretty low in order to turn that stuff out. I get it. I get it. it's more cost effective. But if you start accepting less, you know, you start paying more and accepting less content, they're going to give you less and less and then call it more, you know, call it premium. And that's, you know, that's kind of the same situation that's going on with this stuff. Like, you know, Netflix is making $23 billion, but they're not sinking $23 billion into whatever they're making. So you get... You get like it, ten or twenty Sharknado movies, and and maybe one. I'm not kidding. You, you or maybe and maybe one Irish one. I like. You know, and then you're like, well, you know, things. That's fair. You know, fair and enough. That's that's a problem. Think about this: in 2019, the number of original scripted television series produced in the United States. Now that's series, not episodes. Of individually scripted television series. 532 and that's up from 495 in 2018 but was the that's a lot of fucking quality level of that i'm not i'm not talking about the value or the or the or the uh, what it's uh 
how good it is. Well, that's what I'm talking about. You know? They flood so the market quantity. with crap. Quantity versus yeah, quality. They, they flood the market with crap, right. and they, that's still going to tank whatever industry you know that they're that they're dealing with. You know, look at look at look at there were there used yeah. to be premium channels that people used to watch, like like the Sci-Fi Channel, which a hundred years ago was you know had done some quality television shows, and now no, they now they have. celebrate Sharknado. They Sharknado Week, Shark whatever. They they don't have a, a lot of uh, original content anymore. That's right. But the Sharknado films are making them money. That's what I'm talking money. about, Steve. And that's the quality. That's what's going to happen. They they saw that they can make they they can make their nut back, giving us shitty quality. Yeah, right. and that's that's the that's going to be the prevailing wisdom. Well, that's just that's idiocracy. I mean, that's just us. That's just the but if if public. you if they don't have to entice you. Right now, movies are the way they are to entice you to leave your to get off your butt and to go to the movie theater. If they don't have to entice you to do that, because you may or may not, on a whim, click over to HBO Max and watch Wonder Woman just because you're home that day, then right. then the incentive to make all that stuff competitive kind of goes out the window. Right, and and this is the this is and this is the difference in HBO Max that I in compared to Netflix cuz Netflix is a pure it's a pure streaming animal there's no other there's no other segment of it that's that's where you know it, you can look at their you can look at their subscriber numbers and you know that all those subscribers are paying x amount of dollars per month whatever it works out to be around the world. But like with HBO max, I wonder about because they have 12.6 million people who subscribe to HBO max right now, or as of December of this year. Right. Okay. But everyone who pays for HBO through their cable has access to HBO max. Is that true though? Yes. I thought it's separate. Nope. Nope, because I have access to HBO Max. I don't pay for HBO Max. No, there's no such thing as I mean, there's no such thing as HBO anymore. It's you either you have HBO Max or you have nothing. No, HBO still has five channels on our cable system. Oh. There's HBO, HBO Two, HBO Beyond, HBO Family, HBO whatever. There's still the seven HBO movie channels that we buy a package for through our cable. We okay. have H, we have HBO and Showtime, and because of that. I have access to both the HBO Max and the Showtime app for free. Oh, okay. Oh. Look, we're, we're not talking about the most important show, which was the smash hit Tiger King. That's right. And uh, you can argue about the quality of that, but uh, I did not have enough of it. I wanted more quantity. That was the, the, the king of the early pandemic, and I miss it, it so was. It was, it, it was was the, the first show of the pandemic to be a hit. It was the Tiger King of the pandemic. <laughs> but it, it's like you, you know, you didn't go to Netflix for Tiger King. You discovered it. Then everyone talked about it. And then. Right. So like the Sharknados of the world, I know are not Shakespeare, but they're fun. You know, the, the, the Umbrella Academies or Sabrina's yeah, they are, or they are Stranger. They, they drive you to hopefully pick up other stuff and. I think for a few years, we're going to get really a bunch of nice pieces of quality work out of these streaming places because it's going to be competitive. Okay, But the minute it becomes less competitive, I think you're going to see um, Drek. And then I think you're going to see streaming services disappear. 
but we're I think we're still early in that cycle. I am just talking um, about like never getting yeah, a I didn't get I didn't get HBO. I, I'm just talking about never getting uh an endgame or Titanic again. You know? I'm talking about never getting a, a monster. You know, those those are the kind of yeah. movies that we yeah. that that they make movie theaters for. Those are the kind of ex- movie experiences that they well, that's simply because we haven't had a new Marvel release that has gone straight to streaming yet. I understand. Which could conceivably be Black Widow. I'm uh, not saying it will happen. I'm saying there's a, there's a strong potential for it to happen because of the of the right. because of the 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 principles behind the act in the first place. You know, right? But I think that to your point. I don't think that even if like that in the nightmare world of the future, like if we were in a world where, where movie theaters went away and we didn't have, and we only had streaming services, I don't think that the Marvel films would suddenly start to look like Sharknado. I think they would still look like Marvel yeah, I'm, films. I'm being hyperbolic about that. You know, I'm like, I'm worst case scenario in it, but I mean, it's, and I think it would, if it does happen, I think it's going to happen. So gradually we might not even notice it, you know? I mean, like Netflix, Netflix spent $150 million to make Bright. And that was terrible. All right. Never mind. (laughs) Well, again, I I understand. I mean, there's there's still a there's there's still a level of. uh, um, It's kind of a tongue in cheek kind of level of 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 craftsmanship when it comes to something that's going direct to streaming. There's still something that these mm-hmm. people are not. There's a little edge on, uh, on the on the genuine uh, theatrically released movies that the that the streaming movies just haven't been able to capture just yet. Not to say that they can't, you know. I'm just saying if they right. don't feel they have to, they won't try. That's the thing. Because if they can make their money giving us less, they'll give us less. No one's gonna no one's gonna push to give us more if they don't have to. That's a good point. Yeah, well, there's enough competition where I think we're going to still get a little more. I, I don't. I don't think I whatever mean, whatever terrible changes are, are I'm predicting are going to happen anytime soon. I'm I'm just talking about as, I mean, just just as I said with giving us 13 episode seasons, which have now become four or five episode seasons. You got Mandalorians give us eight episodes of of shows that are sometimes a half hour, sometimes an hour. Like it's not we don't even get stable um, content when they give us content. Okay, but let me ask you. Let me ask you this though: Would you rather have the Mandalorian episodes be an hour long and have twenty minutes of filler in it, or would you rather just enjoy thirty good minutes yeah, of that's creation? The, that's the conventional yeah, wisdom. But I'm saying they've given they've we they they've made us pay money to give us less. They're going to keep making us pay, okay. and they're going to keep giving us less. They're they're not incentivized to give us more. I don't disagree with you, but if they can keep the still, listen, if they can keep distilling things down to the point where I can get five really good minutes of entertainment can- right. out enough. of an episode, and, and that's <laughs> enough, and, and then just I can watch whole seasons in like an hour. <laughs> I I don't care how long how long the episodes are. Personally, I don't. You know. It, it's just a mini series to me, right? That right. every TV show at this point. So, yeah. you know, listen. It's like that line from the American President: "People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty; they drink the sand because they don't know the difference." 
I've never seen that movie. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't I, I, yeah, I, all right. Well. Paying more to get less, but, you, but that that was a good five minutes. I'm, all right, I hear you. Well, well, every every show. <laughs> no, I don't think we're every, gonna get five every show will be just Luke Skywalker going down a hallway, killing things, and everybody. Ah, this is the greatest thing ever. That's that's fine. People, well, Star Wars fans will fine. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> wait a minute, Luke Skywalker. What are you talking about? He's in Wonder Woman. Yes, Luke Skywalker is in Wonder Woman. Along with the Mandalorian. Are you talking about the, talking about the Luke Skywalker clone that came out at the end of the last episode of Mandalorian and wasn't actually Luke Skywalker and took Grogu? Is that the one you're talking about? You didn't know he was a clone? He's a bad guy? You didn't know that? Oh. You're, you're really not sorry. trying to sell me on that, right? <laughs> Oh, I'm not the one who came up with the with the theory. You should I, get on the internet. I don't need to be a. Oh, no, you really shouldn't. I, I know who Luke is, as opposed to Luke. No, L-U-U-K-E. Yes, I know the Luke theory oh, from the boy. expanded universe. Oh, and no, God. that wasn't. <laughs> no, dude, you haven't seen Mandalorian season three yet. Meal. Stop. Stop. <laughs> All right, are we. Are we, are we tapping out now? What's going on? Welcome to episode 58 of Sentimental. <laughs> Welcome to episode 1,348 of Sentimental. I need to. Welcome to minute to 596 of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, thank you so much. I appreciate you staying up late with us, pal. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Steve. I'll talk to you later, I guess. All right, Thank sounds you, good. Well, hey, hey, make sure and hit me up when you. He's watch never going to talk to you again. I'm really anxious. To, I'm, I'm really anxious <laughs> to hear. No, I'm seriously anxious to hear what you think. Uh, I can't wait to check it out this weekend. Hopefully. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Be good. Bye. Yeah. Hi. Okay, he's never coming on again. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure he will. <laughs> So, thanks to Festly and Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Asan Godwin, Latham Conger III, Mike Pellerito and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and male Valkyrie, Truman Burbank, Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I'll use that on the other one. Okay, sounds good. Hassan's just tapped. He's just, I, I, I just, he's done. I just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>